but some people are more just straight on the kind of ascension path it's just all about meditation and they're just in the upper chakras others are just just in like the sexual practices whereas i've always been so drawn to both this is awakened love the podcast and i'm your host angel this is a space where we get real real about sex love and awakening so strap in let's go deep What's up, beautiful awakened beings? Welcome to another episode of Awakened Love. Today I have with me Nadine Lee, who is the founder of Tantric Alchemy, the author of international best-selling Sex Priestess, and a devoted practitioner and teacher of the tantric arts and feminine embodiment. What's up, queen? Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. So we were just figuring out and realizing that we're both Aussies. And so I want to kind of dive in with a question around that. Um, How do you feel growing up in Australia has impacted you and how much of that stays with you culturally? Like, do you feel Australian? Do you not feel Australian? Like what part of that culture has stayed with you? Mm, I love that. Yeah, I love, (laughs) (laughs) I love meeting other Australians because of been out of the country for so long and yeah it just reminds me of home you know it'll always be my home where I was born but I I felt growing up there actually really out of place (laughs) um I just felt that I couldn't wait to you know finish school finish my university and just get out of there like I felt as though not like I was running away like I didn't leave Australia on bad terms like I love the land I love my family I love everyone there but I felt like the culture and the frequency of that land and the consciousness was kind of like limiting me you know like I felt like I couldn't expand into my fullest expression Mm -hmm. there and um you know when I left um I think it was about seven years ago now I moved to Bali first and based there for like five years, four four years. And um, that was when, you know, everything just kind of expanded in my business, in my relationships, in in my expression. And, um, yeah, now I go back to Australia and just whenever I go back, you know, I often just go back to visit my family, but also I do love sharing a lot of my gifts there and it really – you know, uplifts and like inspires and like, you know, yeah, I think that's part of the hero's journey is like, you know, when you leave home, you get wisdom and then you take back that wisdom back to your hometown and that's kind of the point of it. So I like, Mm -hmm. I like sharing, you know, back in Australia, but I don't necessarily feel me living there is really supportive of my, what I want to create in this life. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yes. Yeah, I saw you that, sister. I think it's like that sacred pilgrimage, right? I love that. And then there's a sacred homecoming. And I'm sure many people listening can resonate with either having left their hometown, whether it's for just a trip or whether it's for a really extended period. But I I love that. It's part of the hero's journey. What would you say, like speaking of the quality of consciousness, what would you say the gifts of the consciousness held in that land in Australia? And what would you say are the shadows? Mm, I feel... One of the biggest gifts, and I don't know if you get reflected this um, by a lot of Americans, is that we are just so down to earth and so direct and kind of to the point. 
<laughs> you know, it's not like fluffing around the issue. It's like we just say what we feel and it's very direct. And it can be yeah. intimidating to a lot of people, especially in some cultures that are kind of a bit more reserved. But I think that's one of the blessings of that culture, you know, because there is this directness and you kind of, it's very transparent, you know, so I really appreciate that aspect of the culture. Um, mm. But I also feel one of the shadows maybe was the, I'm sure you you know about like the tall poppy syndrome thing. Like that was one of the biggest things I felt in Australia was, yeah, it's like everyone's trying to cut each other down. And then when I went to America, it's the opposite. It's like everyone wants to lift everyone else up and it's like this, kind of like mm -hmm. idolization culture, whereas Australia is like suppression culture and it's like, oh, who are you to get out of your box, you know? And mm -hmm. um, so that's kind of, I feel, one of the shadows there. And I don't know if it's something to do with, because apparently the solar plex of the planet is in Uluru. Did you know that? Wow, I did not know that. Yeah, so maybe it's something about like the power, you know, like power center and like the shadow of power like is being mm. alchemized there. Who knows? Mm. I love that. Powerful. I was just talking about Uluru like wow. two days ago. I think I'm being called there. Wow. Um, yeah, I love that. I really agree with both those things that you shared. And I think that is one of the gifts of um, American culture. As you said, it's like everyone very, very much celebrates success. Yeah. Um, and there are definitely shadows to that as well. And yes, to the directness, my husband is British and <laughs> he, he has definitely helped me refine that energy. No, it was more like an electric fence before. And now it's a little bit more of that like air of I will be treated sacredly versus like. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I feel that. Um, so you said you left Australia um, after university. I would love you to share whatever feels true for you, obviously, you know, I'm, your story is could take a lifetime to tell, and that's what we're here to do, right, is, is tell our story with as much heart and courage as possible. But whatever feels relevant in this moment of who you are so that our listeners can get to know a little bit about you and the work that you do in the world and the journey that you've gone on to get there. Mm, yeah, so I actually didn't leave straight after university. I um, There was like a period of, you know, finding the courage and like, you know, mm -hmm. all the things that it takes to uproot your whole existence. Um, so I finished, well, I'll just share by what I actually do now and then kind of rewind. So mm -hmm. now I, I help women and men actually, but more so women um, really activate their erotic energy and channel that into their creative expression and their highest alignment the highest dharma in this lifetime um and so i kind of came onto this path because i had the opposite of sexual liberation you know as a young child i was i had experienced sexual trauma sexual abuse mm -hmm. at a really young age and you know that manifested in all sorts of disconnections disassociations with my body um promiscuity you know like really like going hypersexual then like shutting down sexual just really distorted sexuality and um but the main thing I was I experienced up until I found this path was disassociation you know I was not in my body at all and yeah. so it was very hard to distinguish what was a yes what was a no 
um, and being in my power and trusting my intuition. So I felt very disconnected, you know. So Mm. it wasn't until my early 20s I found yoga and meditation. That was the first point and um, started to feel this sense of connection again. And I was like, holy shit, you know, I need to explore this, you know, because at the same time I was also really deep in depression and was on, you know, antidepressants and did the traditional psychiatric route and all this, but none of that was helping me, you know, and then I found yoga and meditation and I finally felt like this sense of connection again and like happiness, like true happiness again. Um, And it wasn't short, it wasn't long after I found that, that I, that all these teachers of sacred sexuality, Tantra, um, body workers were all just flooding into my life and I started to date a tantra teacher and that just opened up my world and um that was really my intro into starting to heal my sexual trauma and starting to feel safe Mm. in my body and so I was just on a path of healing really and um I also knew that the path that I was prescribed you know like I did university I studied marketing I was working in I was working for Cosmopolitan actually in Sydney and and media agencies I just knew that wasn't like that wasn't my full path I knew I was meant to work in the in holistic healing and I was interested in you know um, nutrition and psychology and all these things but I really wanted to do that but I just felt like I had to do you know what society you know, prescribed. So it wasn't long after um, I did that for a couple of years and then I got out and started my path and, you know, I was healing myself and then I started studying nutrition, studying yoga, and then I kind of just got on this path and it was all just no looking back from there. But, yeah, Mm. it was really just about me healing myself first. I didn't intend to teach this really. Like I knew I wanted to work in this realm, but I thought it was more going to be like nutrition and naturopathy. Mm -hmm. I was actually like freaked out by a lot of the, you know, like too deep in the spiritual world. And I actually resisted this path of teaching it for so long. I was like, no, I just, I also knew I needed to heal myself and like do my own deep work. But then it just kind of unfolded, you know, that mm-hmm. now it's time to help other women also with this. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I feel like the path chooses you sometimes, you know? Yeah. Um, it's so interesting hearing. We have, we have so many um, uh, similar touch points in our stories. Like we were just sharing, we're both from Queensland, the same state. I left Australia at 18, uh-huh. come from a history of sexual trauma, started as a yoga teacher, started found my, found my path through yoga. Yoga was also my gateway drug. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So it's, yeah, it's beautiful to hear the similarities. And um, I'm curious, I know that you are a practitioner of Tantra and you're speaking of your like devotion to awakening that erotic energy. And it's a, it's a word that's used a lot in many different contexts. And I'm curious, what does Tantra mean to you as it pertains to your work? Mm, yeah, it's so interesting. <laughs> I was having, I was out at a party last night in some, someone asked me you know what is tantra and I was like look you know like I've lived in ashrams for years and like studied this and there's still no definition and even in the ashrams they were like 
they everyone was like, yeah, but can you give us a definition? We just want to write down a definition. <laughs> and they're like, there's no definition. <laughs> so, it, and I think that's part of it. It's like Tantra to me is actually finding your own truth and your own way of being and how you relate to the world and what, how you want to show up mm. in this world. So the tools that are given through, you know, some of the practices like the tantric yoga, the, um, the sexual practices, the alchemy practices, the purification practices, all of this is really tools, tantric tools that clear your channels so you can just figure out your truth. And then I feel that's, that's mm-hmm. tantra to me. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I love that definition. I think um, it's a path of illumination, right? And there are many paths of illumination or like seeking, right? Truth seeking. I love that definition of satsang. You can use it as community or it can also be um, a group of truth seekers mm. and like sincere spiritual seekers. And so, yeah, I love that idea that it's this way to clear the channel to experience truth. And there are so many different ways to do that. And um, and Tantra is just one of them. What what drew you to Tantra? Like why, why this path of illumination when there are so many? Mm. Yeah, I think it was just like this deep curiosity, you know, always – like when I would hear the word, I'm like, I just felt this like draw to it. I had no idea what it meant, but I just felt drawn to it. And I think also um, just looking back at, you know, from the start, really being so attuned to both my sexual energy and the spiritual energy, you know, like when I was as young as five years old, you know, I was like running erotic energy through my body, self-pleasuring and like obsessed with like understanding this frequency of sex, sexual energy, and also like super connected to like fascinated with God and like wanting to understand like these esoteric <laughs> things. And so Tantra to me also is this, the merging of sex and spirit. So it's like, I just feel I've mm. always felt this connection to both those worlds you know some people are more just straight on the kind of ascension path it's just all about meditation and they're just in the upper chakras others are just just in like the sexual practices whereas I've always been so drawn to both and this path has been Mm -hmm. a path that helps embrace all of it you know not cut one or the other it's like from it's it's all about you know yeah, from your root to your crown, your animal to your divine. And that resonates with me because it's a holistic, wholesome, integrated path, not cutting out one, like, part of our psyche. Mm. Yes, 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 yes. Well, our listeners will be like, yes, this is familiar. (laughs) We love this. That you're you're speaking to the right community, I think. (laughs) This is right up our alley. Um, So... You bravely shared that you uh, experienced sexual trauma and abuse. Um, I'm curious if it feels aligned to share. Do you remember a pivotal moment in your healing or a certain practice, a teacher, an experience where you could really, um, yeah, just it felt pivotal to you in in the healing process for that? Mm. Yeah, I mean, for me, it was really the that relationship that I shared. It was with a Tantra teacher. So he wasn't like my teacher when we were dating, but obviously he did this as his profession. So we explored a lot of 
things like actually re reliving the trauma and actually consciously kind of going into it again to feel it in my body in a safe container of like a relationship and with a practitioner who knew what he was doing that was like really really scary and also liberating at the same time and even for me to express you know the no and like the anger and the rage that I couldn't as a child and this is like this is the work that I do now with clients obviously not getting sexual with them but you know reliving the original trauma and like giving yourself a voice so to do it in a way where Mm. you're actually reliving a sexual act and like role playing in that was that was really powerful Mm. yes yeah it's so um profound and I think for um a lot of women what I notice is that there can be some um confusion of eroticizing um, certain aspects inherently already in fantasy and things like that, maybe not necessarily to do with the original trauma, but certain themes, yeah. let's say, and then feeling very confused. But actually what I'm hearing you express and what I know to be true is that we can, through this erotic landscape and safety and a container with the intention of healing and reclamation, um, eroticize some of these themes and reclaim power from them through that pleasure. It's yeah, wow, such powerful work. I'm so grateful that um, you're carrying some of that in this world. Mm-hmm. And thank you for sharing. I know it takes a lot of courage um, to share about this stuff, so I really appreciate that. Um, it's beautiful to hear you sharing about this relationship that you had that was a really supportive um, opening into this world. I'm curious, have you ever had um, – because uh, this is like – it can be a tricky space, as I'm sure you know, and I feel – really the depth of the safety in your system and the sincerity in you, which is so beautiful and I'm so grateful for. I've also experienced, and I'm sure you have encountered too in this realm, um, there can also be some manipulation and some teachers that for me I have experienced as less safe. Um, And I'm curious, have you ever experienced that with teachers in this space and how did you navigate that? And for people listening, like how do they navigate that? Yeah, this is one of the biggest things in this space because it's like you're 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 seeking healing for sexual you know traumas but then you know you're going to this professional that you feel you're meant to trust and then they end up crossing your boundary and re-traumatizing you you know this is I mean it's it's rampant you know and even this is just across the board, even with a lot of non-sexual teachers, just gurus in general, they're all just like, you know, medicine work. Yeah. Yeah. So this is a huge shadow and I actually feel that it is, yeah, it's the sexual shadow, you know, and like when you start to accumulate that power of like spiritual power, if you haven't really addressed your sexual shadow, this is what happens. And, um, Yeah, I mean, part of the reason why I mainly work with women now is because of this. And actually, so women who have experienced trauma, they don't have to go to a man to heal this. They can actually use things like the jade egg, for example, is a huge tool that I use for sexual healing and clearing trauma, Um, conscious like self-pleasure, like yoni de-armoring with a yoni wand. So it's like I'll guide women into doing this 
for, like for themselves. I'm just guiding the practice, yes. but I'm not like touching them or like interfering in their world. And yes, that's like a huge inspiration and drive for why I do what I do because I did see so much of this and, you know, experienced a lot of, yeah, creepy kind of like energies. And I'm just like, I would never go and like get a yoni massage or have a healing session with someone like you, you know, it's just, you can feel that. But again, I didn't feel that fully when I was um, at the start of the journey, you know, because I was, as I said, disassociated, not in my body. And that's a symptom of like sexual trauma. If you're out of your body, it's very hard to discern like who's safe and who's not. So it's kind of, yes, it's a tricky one, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And there are actually studies on that that show that, survivors of sexual trauma because of exactly what you're describing can be more susceptible to that in the future yeah and so I think it's so beautiful exactly what you're describing I always say to clients if there is a teacher who who you really admire that's awesome but are they and are their teachings guiding you back into relationship consistently with your own power or you is the pedestal just growing taller and higher Mm. And if so, and it may or may not be how they're teaching. It could just be how you're relating to those teachings and who's who's the right dynamic and teacher for you in that moment. Some people are manipulating mm. and there is, you know, like this um, abuse of power and other people are just not the right type of teacher for you because you're unable to use those teachings to go deeper into yourself. And, yeah, I think it's such a good point. Like, and I also facilitate that those guided practices and I think it's so beautiful to let women go on that journey while being held and while being safe and while being guided but to reclaim it for themselves and to do that work yeah with their own hands and their own reclamation and I think any of these portals of power like medicine work sacred sexuality spirituality like where there is great power there is great shadow and mm. for anyone listening I think they might remember I had a conversation with Andrew DeCombe who and we were talking about Ken Wilber's philosophy around waking up and growing up mm. and if you just wake up and develop your spiritual power but you don't also grow up alongside that and deal with your shadows and your relational issues mm. um then you're not going to be a very integrated human being and you, you even if you have a lot of spiritual power and it's interesting to look at a lot of the gurus that have all this spiritual power, but it's like, how are their relationships? Like, how are their like day-to-day interactions? Like, how grounded are they in this reality? And if you're not looking to be a guru um, yourself and you actually want to have relationship and maybe marriage, maybe children, maybe um, run a business where you have to manage people or whatever it is, and that guru is not doing any of those things, it's like, how applicable yeah. <laughs> are their skills to <laughs> your daily life? Yeah. Um, is is relational work some of what you do, like speaking to that? And if so, um, can you speak a little to like what are some of the biggest or most frequent blocks that you see to intimacy? Like what's blocking most of us from being able to be um, proficient, um, functional at being mm-hmm. close? Yeah, so it's interesting because you talk about that, like the it's like the spiritual bypassing. So, yeah, that's what I realized at, at one point, you know, I was – super tapped into these higher realms and as as I said I've been in touch with the sexuality piece as well but it was the relational piece that I realized holy fuck like none of this matters (laughs) like when you're (laughs) like chanting to Hare Krishna is not going to get you anywhere when you're like you know like trying to like have a relationship with someone like I mean it can help that devotion piece but you know 
I was, and a lot of people were using it, use it as a, a way to escape reality and discomfort. And so for me, like my tantra that I practice and that I teach and what I've been on my own journey has really been, yeah, so it's the relationship to the, div- the divine, to self and to other, but to relate to others, I feel, you know, we have to have that relationship to self first. And I have really found, you know, working with the inner child essential, you know, yes. in order to actually work with this sexual energy and, you know, navigate relationships. It's like that has been such a core of my work and a core of a lot of my clients' work really. You know, they think it's going to be all these like transcendental orgasms. I'm like, yeah, but you're not going to feel that unless you feel safe in your body, in your inner child first and Mm. such a big piece. And so, um, yeah, for me, you know, I'm still navigating that, you know, I still have major intimacy blocks and attracted to unavailable men. Same girl. Yeah, I'm... It's just, it's the work. I'm six years into a marriage and it's like some pockets you're like, this is amazing. It's so easy. And like, and then you hit pockets and you're like, holy shit, like, whoa. Yeah. And I, and I, and I don't know. And I'm curious what you think. Like, I don't think it ever ends. I think our soul wants this like juicy, messy process. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it's just having the, like the awareness and the tools to navigate it. And I mean, the biggest thing for me was, um, you know, uh, the abandonment wound and not like going into like spewing my emotions on, on others. And so that's been my work really is yeah. Emotional alchemy, like emotional transmutation, you know, like men do the sexual transmutation of like sublimating their semen. And I feel for Mm. a lot of us women, it's like actually, sublimating our emotions and moving our emotions through our body instead of spewing it onto (laughs) onto others yes (laughs) oh my god i love that so much emotional sublimation and just for people listening sublimation moving energy from top up like cycling through yeah am i defining that correctly yeah like you know just yeah from the bottom up up, yeah. So sublimate and then desublimation would be moving down. Just for those listening, you're like, what does it mean to sublimate energy? Um, I love that where um, like this emotional alchemy that you're describing and, and that ability to, to, yeah, process the emotions versus act them out or act them in. Um, you touched on the abandonment wound and I feel like so many people listening have got to be saying, uh, hell yeah, I've got a big dose of that. <laughs> um, so if someone is nodding their head going, oh my God, well, A, first part of the question, how might you know if you have abandonment wounding? Let's start there. Like what could be some of the signs that you have some serious abandonment wounding? Uh, well, I think it manifests, you know, in like the attachment styles. Usually, you know, there's the anxious, the avoidant and the insecure. Most people are anxious or avoidant. Um, mm-hmm. So anxious is usually when you're, yeah, you're, you're scared that the person's going to leave you. So you're kind of like always on edge and you're like, you know, just grasping at them, you know, there's that kind of, whereas avoidant is more kind of cold and playing it cool. You can kind yeah. So I think if you have that kind of tendency to be a bit more anxious, there's usually underneath that a fear of abandonment, a fear Mm -hmm. this person's going to leave you. 
But essentially Mm -hmm. what it comes to is you abandoning yourself, you know, and this is what I've had to go into with my journey with it. It's like um, growing up with the conditioning around, you know, having to abandon myself in order to fit into a family dynamic or gain love and approval Mm -hmm. from my caregivers. I had to hide parts of myself, distort myself and change to like be someone for my family to love me. And that's essentially self-abandonment. So, you know, Mm -hmm. once you clear that like and work with that, then it kind of lessens on the outside, attracting people who are going to probably abandon you, you know, like because if you haven't done that work, you're going to attract people who are like candidates to do the runners, you know. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So true. Yeah, I love that. It's like the self-abandonment piece. And what's interesting too, like even if you're avoidant, because my husband um, presented as avoidant and I would say we've earned secure attachment through our relationship to each other. Um, and it doesn't necessarily mean that either of us is still not ang- – I more, was more on the anxious side, him more on the avoidant. It doesn't mean that we don't actually present that way in other dynamics, which is interesting as well. Yeah. Like you can earn your way into secure attachment in one dynamic. doesn't mean you have that in all dynamics. Found yeah. that out the hard way, um, which is interesting. But his avoidance at, at the core of that was actually a really deep abandonment wound that he had to move through as well. And so it's like what I'm hearing you say is like we have to work through this self-abandonment. But it's interesting to see that like self-abandoning can be also – playing it cool and like I don't have any needs and like it's whatever and and that self-abandoning to to try and be like play it cool enough or keep you just far away enough so that you don't abandon me first I'm gonna abandon you first it's like it's so deep I honestly think that this like fear of being of disconnection essentially right is is so at the root of I feel like we all have a bit of the quote-unquote abandonment wound abandonment wound is like a flavor of the wound of disconnection of like the wound of separation we come out of the womb we come out as a spark of god consciousness we're in oneness and then we're like chilling in the womb there's still a level of connection and then you're like ripped into reality (laughs) squeezed through a birth canal or maybe like cut open or whatever and there's this trauma of like holy fuck I'm separate what do I have to do to reconnect and I loved what you were saying about like what are the parts of me that that I have to like put away or distort or control and I think everybody listening can relate to like these parts of themselves that they've had to leave behind or disconnect from in order to try and be worthy of that reconnection um and I know you work with intimacy as well um, as sexuality. And so that process of reconnection, like these parts you were saying in yourself that you recognize in your family, they had to go away. Like, How did you, what was most pivotal and important for you in, in finding reconnection to those parts? Yeah, I love this work. You know, it's the like the shadow work. Um, yeah, I like to see it as, you know, these exiled parts of us, you know, the parts of us that we were, expressing naturally like as a child different archetypes different characteristics and um you know someone may have made a comment like don't do that or you know girls girls aren't bossy or whatever like or boys don't cry you know like whatever it is and then you feel okay like this is this is not right for me to express this part of myself so boom that part of you gets shoved away in the unconscious And so really the work is like looking at all those parts of us, like different archetypes um, and characteristics that were shoved to the side, into the attic, you know, into the unconscious and really giving them an expression now as 
as an adult. And that's why I love archetypal work. And the big one that I notice when I work with these archetypes with women, especially is like the dark feminine, the seductress, the like that, like more like the sexuality as opposed to like sensuality, you know, it's like the, the part of us mm. that like knows our boundaries, like the bossy part of us, like all these like more intense, like yeah, Carly kind of qualities, you know, it's not all the soft feminine, like there's that part of us, mm. like that as women has been so suppressed, not just from our parents, like this is deep, like from the Catholic church, from just society in general, you know, it's such deep programming, all the religions, like any sign of, feminine sexuality feminine voice you know seen as oh no put her aside mm-hmm. throw her out of the garden mm-hmm. of eden burn her on a stake you know it's like mm-hmm. such a deep thing mm-hmm. so this is a big one for a lot of us women mm-hmm. to reclaim Oof. yeah yes <laughs> the dark goddess yeah it's like that generative because you think of like the mother is like the part that's like allowed quote unquote like generative creative sustaining and it's like yeah but in order to get to that creative sustenance we have to also destroy and burn and mm. become ash and winter and so i love that and that you bring forward this this idea of the dark feminine and so i know you work with masculine and feminine dynamics as well as part of your work and what i'm hearing you say that i'm like yes 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 is one i'm hearing you talk about how we you know if you say boys don't cry or girls don't shout as you were saying or some version of that and then we're like oh god and we distort those parts what i see and i'm curious if you see this as well is like in the bubblegum spirituality of instagram which bless it like I'm like, put it on a fucking bumper sticker because if we get into it for the wrong reason, quote unquote wrong reason, is there one? We might bump into the right reason. Or if we're not quite at a a state of consciousness that allows us to truly facilitate with dignity and sincerity, then through the exploration, like such as life, hopefully people will fall into that. But something that I see that's harmful is people are not getting what you just expressed, how you just expressed there is this like gender roles that distorts people's relationship to themselves. And there is this suppression, especially on the bubblegum um, spirituality of Instagram of the dark feminine. And it's like, you have to be soft and receptive all the time. If you've got to be in your quote unquote feminine, like what, you know, what the fuck does that actually even mean? And so how do you, cause I can feel like based on everything that you just said, that you have this understanding of that and those issues when it comes to um, the difference between like femininity, masculinity in a sacred sense versus like toxic gender roles. And like, do you see that problem as well in this work and in this field? Um, And how do you remedy that when you're doing this work with masculine and feminine dynamics? Yeah, I mean... I've just, yeah, I mean, I can see where things like polarity practices, you know, they can be helpful for like igniting sexual attraction. You know, it's just natural or how like two opposites attract, but that's just one aspect of the equation, you know, because it's like, okay, cool. Now you've activated sexual energy. Now what? Like you've got to be able to work with that energy, <laughs> you know, it's like, otherwise you just, you're just fuck buddies or you're just like lovers. You're not actually in a relationship. So I think that's yes. a big piece that's missing in a lot of these teachings. And I think there's a shot. Well, there is a shadow to this whole, you know, you see a lot of, a lot of men talking about like how women should just automatically surrender because they're a woman and he's a man. So you know, and it's just like, that's just so like 1940s 
on steroids <laughs> coming back. It's like, no, <laughs> buddy, like, no. <laughs> um, you earn that, yeah. like, surrender and, you know, it's not just by default because you're a man that a woman's going to surrender and submit to you. So Yes, so true. Yeah. Like, we have to create the container for surrender, man or woman. Yeah. Like, whomever in that space is getting to have – and give the gift of their surrender, man or woman. And I mean, it's such a beautiful experience, whatever gender you are and like whatever configuration you're in, mm. we have to create or have created for us the right conditions, as you're saying. Like when yeah. you say that they've got to earn it, it's like, yeah, there are conditions to surrender, to do that safely. I love this, more, more, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. And also, you know, the thing that I really don't agree with a lot of these is well, I actually have found um, some teachers that I really resonate with. They're, I think they're in L.A. You're in L.A., yeah? Oh, no, you're in Colorado. Um, it's, in Colorado now, yeah. Yeah, it's um, Justin in London. They're Justin Pierce. Oh, my God. Okay. Yeah. Okay, this is so crazy that you're bringing this up right now because <laughs> they both have their middle names, uh, me and my husband's first names, which is so weird, wow. right? London Angel Winters, Justin Patrick Pierce. And I just signed up, so I haven't started yet, to them like monthly couples training okay. um, to have a practice to get my partner because I have I had a solo tantric practice but and I've sort of looped my partner in, of course, like by osmosis and we've done stuff, but I really want him to like be in the practice now and he's ready to do that with me. So we literally just signed up oh, for wow. their – because I also feel I was like these guys are the real fucking deal and it's hard to find, isn't it? Yeah, 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 because the thing that resonated – for me about their teachings is that so yeah she the woman you know usually is more in the feminine and then the masculine's usually more in the masculine but it's not discounting that as a woman I still have a masculine side a yang side and the man still has a feminine side and it might not be as prevalent in your relation but it's not um excluding and exiling these parts because you know I was in a relationship a couple of years ago and we were, this guy I was with was really into polarity and it was almost like I felt shamed like by him for being showing any sign of masculine traits he was like oh you're working too much you're too driven you're too focused on your mission and I was like whoa like I'm probably one of the most feminine women like <laughs> that's what a lot of people come to me expressing and I get that and he's like yeah like but it was like almost like his masculine was intimidated by mass my masculine side and I don't want to feel that like I want to feel you know we can dance between like if I'm in a masculine energy one moment, he can polarize into feminine and then he can go to the, you know, it's the yes. dance. And and we don't always have to be polarized, and, right? Well, that's like, the thing. You know, yeah. <laughs> like we want, as you were saying, like it was so beautiful. You're like, yeah, polarity is good to spark sexual attraction. And it's like, yes, it it is, you know, yeah. and, and one type of sex for sure, because I'm bisexual and I love to make love in many different configurations. And, and it's one of my favorite ways to make love is like femme to femme, like mirror to mirror, like softness to softness. And it's so beautiful, you know? So there's that. And like, I think that what gets lost in what I'm hearing you say in that story is like, there's this idea that through these polarity teachings that we always have to be polarized with our partner. And like, 
the longer you're with someone, the more energetically similar you become because you become teammates and there's a lot of energy of harmony and collaboration. And I think then we have to learn how to be able to shift into polarity when we want to shift into polarity and like, you know, I feel you, you're a fucking alpha female. I'm an alpha female. Yeah. That's a beautiful thing. We're yeah. leaders. We're business owners. Like I look at that new and I admire that new and I feel your receptivity and I feel that in your system. And like, that's whom I want to learn from is people that ha- are embodied in whatever their full spectrum nature looks like. Yeah. So how did you deal with that in this relationship? <laughs> I mean, yeah, obviously it didn't work out. <laughs> But I- <laughs> <laughs> Bye. <I'm just> <laughs> yeah, it was blessing. <laughs> it was just interesting because I was like, "Wow!" Like I've never felt so shamed for this part of me. And I actually kind of looked at, you know, okay, maybe let's just flip it. Like, put the mirror up. Like, am I internalizing like shaming parts of my? masculine and I was like oh maybe there is some still like remnants of you know the cultural programming like blah 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 what it means to be the woman in the spiritual all that shit was just like being deconstructed um but ultimately like there was our dynamic was interesting because it was almost like we would relate and this is what I find in a lot of couples so there's the the polarity so it's like my feminine his masculine boom attracted but what the issue when the issue arises is when we go into our contrasexual so my masculine and his feminine were toxic as fuck at that point like my masculine was an asshole his feminine was just like out of control chaotic <laughs> bitch yeah like so <laughs> so there was just like no harmony and he also was really resistant to being in his feminine he had a lot of shame around a man being in his feminine so he mm. needed to be always masculine and always in the masculine and i'm like babe just surrender like you know, just go into your feminine, like it's fine, you know. But he he mm. he couldn't handle that. So it's like he had to suppress my masculine so he would stay always in the masculine pole. So he was suppressing mm. his feminine. I was probably suppressing some of my masculine and that's, I think, where the issue was, you know. Yeah. So. I've had that where I've been in my masculine and I've gone head to head with a partner's masculine and we're just like, like full battle of the alphas versus finding a way to like flow together. Um, Wow. This is so fascinating. I love that. I've never heard anyone talk about that. And it is so fucking true of the contra Mm -hmm. and like, how does those aspects of you relate? Is there like healing work or anything people can do if they're listening and they're like, oh my fucking God, that is so me. My like, let's say they're in a heterosexual pairing and they are more femme and they're feminine with their masculine partner. Like that was working. But as you said, then it flips and they're having trouble being in their masculine with their partner's feminine vice versa. Yeah. Well, this is kind of actually in more like Taoist Tantra, you know, when I've studied a lot of these practices, a lot of it is really based around like the feminine really to come into wholeness. A woman is to integrate her in a yang or in psychological terms, you know, Carl Jung talks about the animus, like you're in a masculine aspect of your psyche Mm -hmm. because that's what's most like strongly in our unconscious as a woman. So in order to Mm -hmm. become whole, we have to integrate that part of us. And 
for men, they've got to work with their yin, their anima, their inner feminine. So for the woman, this is, I love doing this work with women and with men as well. You know, I help a lot of men integrate their feminine. It's, um, yeah, I love doing that work. Um, really it's for women healing the, the relationship with the father, their biological father. And then, cause that's how we understand masculinity. And it's like usually how we form like our inner man archetype. And so for example, just say your met your father was like very controlling and kind of like a dictator. You might see that as like, I never want to be that. I, I don't like that type of masculinity. So you internalize that and suppress and cast this dictator kind of energy to the side. And then it comes out as a shadow dictator, like this kind of, you know, like sideways manipulation because you're not owning like the fullness of that masculine expression. And then for men, it's a lot of the time, maybe they saw their mother was like, emotionally uncontrollable so he like really suppresses that part of him and then it comes out as this side sniping like or really suppressed emotional and he turns into kind of like a like cold like cold like psychopath you know like it's yeah it's like we go to the, sh- the extreme because we don't want to be our the traits that we saw as negative in our mother and father so it's about like actually seeing how we can integrate those qualities in a healthy way, you know, and mm. not suppress like what we saw was mm. bad, you know, in our perception. Mm. So inner oh, inner yes. alchemy with the masculine and feminine is essential. And I love like playing in this dynamic now. Like I'll often feel from my masculine super attracted to a man's feminine. I'm like, wow, like yes. so hot, you know. <laughs> And then I love when I mean, he can flip into his masculine and I'm into my feminine. It's like, I fucking love that, you know? Yes. I am also a switch, baby girl. Like <laughs> I am in the BDSM terms, like dom sub, like, um, gen- like, you know, whether I'm in mask femme, man, woman, like I am definitely feeling you in that. I love, it's just, yeah. I just feel like there's more colors to paint with. And yeah. it's like, wow. And I love this conversation so much. I'm so lit up and like, thank you for sharing this wisdom and doing this work in the world. And what is, what I often see in the work I do, and I'm sure you see this as well, is like this, um, that we can shame, especially because of all that like polarity teaching, like man should always be a man and, and woman should automatically surrender. Then we're like internalizing that like toxic gender stereotypes wrapped up in spirituality. And then we often shame ourselves. Like you said, you felt really shamed by your partner or shame our partners. And like, I often will find women that are like, well, he's, you know, he's not in his masculine. So like, I can't be in my feminine. And, and I will often say to them, what do you actually mean when you say he's not in his masculine? Which trait is it that you're yearning for? Like remove the word masculine. Are you wanting more vulnerability for him? Are you wanting more heart-centeredness? What is it you actually need? Because when you say to your partner, you're not being feminine enough or you're being too masculine or too feminine or too what the fuck ever, all they feel is I'm not enough yeah. and you're not actually giving them any keys to win. There's no like, there's no directive. There's no like invitation. There's no like, there's nowhere to go from there. So yeah, yeah I just love this idea of like removing the shame and just like let us play as the like essential beings that we are beyond polarity and gender. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, we incarnated in this body. And also like, let's play with those colors without getting so fucking overly identified with them. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting because, you know, I speak to a lot of 
a lot of my clients are kind of more from the mainstream world and it's just like this this languaging doesn't even exist and there's just natural I don't know like it just seems to kind of flow in like I think when you bring so much headiness to like (laughs) you're not masculine enough you're not feminine it just like it just is a head fuck it's like just be in your natural expression and there's going to be someone that will compliment you and bring out the best in you you know it's like if you're actually more of a feminine man like if you're an artist for example and you're very in touch with your feminine you probably attract more women who are like business oriented or masculine dominant you know and that's okay because that complements you you know it's not like this cookie cutter template for every human (laughs) my god bless it wow i could speak forever to you i'm so grateful um we're coming to the end of our time together and yeah i'm just like so lit up and i'm sure people listening are as well and so if they want to find you and connect with this beautiful work that you're doing in the world how can they find you yeah so you can head to my instagram it's tantric alchemy official and my website is tantricalchemy.net and i just wrote a book so that just came out um like my god congrats yeah it came out in february it's called sex priestess and yeah, it's really like a journey of, you know, moving from sexual trauma to sexual liberation and unlocking your gifts. And it's for both men and women, to be honest. So many men are reading it and understanding more about the feminine. So, um, yeah, it's open to all. Where can we buy it? On Amazon. Yeah. On Amazon. Yeah. Hell yeah. Sex Priestess. Get it now. I love the title. <laughs> Thanks. So, so much. Well, my love, thank you so much for the work you do in the world and the energy that you brought to this conversation. And I'm so excited for everyone listening to go over to Tantric Alchemy Official on Instagram and connect with your work there. Thank you. That's it for today, Awakened One. And just a quick thank you from me. Thank you for gifting us with your most precious resource, your time and attention so that we can make this world a more awakened place. And if we're not friends on Instagram yet, then we absolutely should be. So come on over and say hello at Angelica Alana and I'll see you there and see you next week.